Good morning. Wow. That was some good worship this morning. I just want to thank our worshipers. Yeah, that was really good. You know, I've shared it before, but I'll share it again, and that is um, that our our worship leaders who who lead us each Sunday in worship, they put time and effort. So beautiful, all these kids. Lord, thank you. Keep bringing the children and bring those who would labor in their nurture and admonition, Lord. Our worshipers who come up here and lead us in worship every Sunday prepare for this time. They don't just walk in on Sunday morning with whatever they woke up with, but they, they go in and they labor before the Lord in seeking His face and coming before Him and humbling themselves before Him because the words that we sing together and what comes forth from our hearts as we do that is as much a part of the, the time that we have together as this is right now. It's all, it's all unified together. And we know from experience that the Holy Spirit goes before us without us collaborating and doing all what we do. The Holy Spirit knits things together. And so we're just so thankful to have such excellent men and women of the Lord who, who labor to bring us before the Lord in worship. I feel like I'm ringing up here. Does it sound like I'm ringing? Just, just a note. Well, <clears throat> last week was such a cool week because we weren't here. Yeah. <laughs> Vacation, that's right. So we had... Um, <clears throat> A wonderful opportunity, Katie and I, to, to get away for the weekend. We went to the Outer Banks for the first time, so we are now Outer Banks christened, yes. <laughs> and now I know what y'all have been talking about for all these years. <laughs> they're they're going to make a beach person out of it. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you. <laughs> but we had a wonderful time, and uh, our, our boys were at home here with their, their wonderful Nana, which most of you got to meet while we're, she was here with us. So we're just so thankful to Kim for being with us. She, she was with us for three weeks, and it was amazing. It wasn't long enough. Yeah, it wasn't long enough. But they got to have time with their Nana, and we had time together. And you got time with Pete Romano. How many of you were surprised? How many of you weren't surprised? I was so thankful for the word that came forward in Pete. And uh, what, I, what I hope you see there is, is the depth of character and heart that that man who's been walking with the Lord and who comes and leads our, us in our worship ministry, and he's our, our spiritual life quadrant leader, he has before the Lord. So, so many of us that are close with him, and if you've served with him in leadership, you know that that Pete will be quiet for like the first two-thirds of the meeting, and then the last third, he's got something to say. And it's usually in quick nuggets, but it is deep, and it is rich, and it is full of life. And he has such a good way of just cutting to the quick and to the heart of things. And I just appreciate his surrender before the Lord. I think my favorite part 
of his message, of which there were many favorite parts, was, was at the end of his message when he got up to pray and then he broke it off and then he got up to pray again and then he broke it off again. <clears throat> By the way, if you haven't seen this message, go back and watch it because it is, you could, you could listen to that message and you could feast off that for a couple months. There's some really good stuff in there about worship, about unity, about our hearts before the Lord. And he demonstrated for us surrender. How many of you have been doing your thing? Uh, Maybe the Holy Spirit's got me doing this. No, I don't think I can do that. I'm going to go back to doing my thing. And you waffle in it. And then you keep doing your thing. And then later on you kick yourself because you didn't do what the Lord told you to do. Am I the only one who's done that? Okay. Because I've definitely done that. What you saw demonstrated for you was that very publicly by someone who's humbly bringing the word of the Lord that has been given to him for you. And you heard him say, if I don't share this, I'm not going to sleep. Right? And then he dropped the bomb that you can go thinking about for a good long while. That is a demonstration of someone who's been walking with the Lord who has a relationship with him, who's messed it up somewhere along the line, maybe a couple of times, gotten it right other times, to know that if I am obedient in this moment, I will sleep tonight. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. The entire presentation, to me, was a treasure. So I encourage you to go back and watch it, listen to it, um, maybe watch it a couple of times because there's, there's good stuff in there. <clears throat> Even just the visuals of the worshiping across the world. I love that. You can hear the different, different sounds of the different languages, um, but so much of it, you could see that same spirit of humility before the Lord. And what I, I think it's Jeremy Riddle at the end there said, being of one heart and one mind. And that's what we're to do. We're to be of one heart and to be of one mind. So, this morning, I'm actually going to be picking up where, where Pete left off. Because I don't think we can speak enough about unity. And he did such a good job. I want to build on that foundation with you guys, because that nugget he dropped at the end there is so, so, so important. So we'll go, be going back into it. But before we do, we're going to start in prayer this morning. So Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word comes and instructs us. We thank you that your word comes and washes us. We thank you that your word is a standard and it's impenetrable and it is impregnable and it will not fall. Lord, heaven and earth may pass away, but we know, Lord, that your word is eternal. We just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that when all else is crumbling and and fading and falling and shaking, Lord, we can cling to you and to your word. So we just thank you. We ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would just open our hearts to you. You'd come and you'd whisper things to us in this moment today. That you would nudge us. That you would welcome us. That you would invite us. We ask for your perspective from heaven this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the subject matter today, Lord for the opportunity 
to come before you today, Lord. So we surrender this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what was that nugget that Pete gave us at the end there? I'm going to take a few excerpts from it. He said this, We don't create unity. You can think about that for the rest of today. We don't create unity. He says, that's what the world does. We can't make it. You can try and fail. That's what the world does. And many of us have experienced it in lots of different scenarios, whether it's geopolitically, whether it's in any organization, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your relationships with people. We work to try to build unity, and it breaks apart all the time. And we try to build it on our own terms, and it's, it's bound to fail. With all the division and strife and brokenness that we've seen really surfacing and coming to light over the, this past year and a half now, what we find is the efforts that man makes to draw things back together again keep failing. They keep failing. We try to broker deals, we try to negotiate, try to make it happen. We write up agreements, and they fall apart. He said this, this is probably the wrong way to say it, but I'm going to just try to get us out of here. You need to get on the bandwagon. It's a great way of summarizing that. You need to get on the bandwagon. God is already unity. Oneness already exists in him. We don't make the unity ourselves. It says we join into God's unity. It's not left on our shoulders to make it. It's about joining him. We choose to join what he already is and what he already has available for us. Wow. That's profound right there. Because we're not crafting it. We're not making it. We're not devising it. We're not having to think about what ways we can make this happen or what ways we can make it better than the last time or any of that. God has already given us the gift of unity. So we're going to start there. He's got a whole lot, a lot of other stuff that he presented last week. Go back, watch the video. Watch it again if you already, you're already here. But we're going to start there today. That God has already given us unity. That he invites us into unity. That's a pretty awesome premise. In the kingdom, we are instructed by the Lord that our prayer before him, before the Father, should be, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? If you've been around here for a while, you'll know that we talk about this quite a bit. We are here drawing heavenly realities into into the earth, into time and space. Part of our kingdom walk is bringing things from the unseen realm into the seen realm. Unity already exists. When Christ went to the cross, he made unity for us available. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to go, go through a few series of, of passages, and they're probably going to sound very familiar to you because I've been sharing these quite a bit, 
And I think it's important for us to keep staying in this because it's so central to our life in Christ and our life with one another. But I'm hoping that today you'll see it from a little bit of a different perspective, starting from the place of Christ already has unity for us. See, when Jesus went to the cross and his body was broken, his blood was poured out for us, he gave access for us back to the Father in a way that was never possible before. He broke down the barrier. We're going to read about this now. He broke down the barrier between Jews and Gentiles, and he made a way for all of us to enter into the body of Christ. We only enter in through him. Unity is now a gift that he gives us. Salvation is a gift that he gives us. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts that he gives us. But you only get that if you choose to believe and enter in. Salvation is available for all of us. We can make mental assent to that, but we don't actually lay hold of it until we surrender our lives to him and choose to lay hold of that and abandon what we had before, literally die to the old self and come alive in him. The gift is available for all of us, but only a few of us are going to enter into that. Unity is available for all of us. And it's not by our own making, just like salvation isn't by our own making. Just like the the gifts of the Spirit aren't by our own making. They're His gifts to us. We choose to surrender and enter into that. So Ephesians 2. We're going to do 11 through 22 here. And... Just prior to this, the context of the statement here is Paul telling the Ephesians that they've been made alive in Christ. And the context for all this statement is for us being in Christ. Which is such an amazing, incredible mystery, he says in in Colossians, that wasn't revealed until this time, but the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Being united with Christ. Remember what Pete went through Uh, John chapter 17, the whole chapter last week, remember that? And he talks about the just incredible, amazing dynamic that we would be one as they are one. That they would be in us and we in them. That true unity. So it says here, sorry, in in, in Ephesians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now we'll get into the next one. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That's a dead place. There's no opportunity. They're cut off from the covenants. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by what? The blood of Christ. His blood made the way. His blood covers everything. His blood brought us who were far away near, in to what he had already established. 
And I love this next line. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose is where we see his intent, what he was doing, what was going on here and what he did. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. That's a gigantic statement. One new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He's removed everything that would keep anybody separate. All of us who are in Christ are part of a new humanity. We have access to things that never existed before. Anything that would be there to separate us has been destroyed. Any hostility that would keep us apart has been destroyed. Because it's founded in Him. It's not founded in one another and whose ideas are better than another person's ideas. It's founded in him, in his identity, and being identified inside him. Whatever you were before you were in Christ is dead and gone. A new creation is alive in him. And it's not by your own will. It's not by your own power. It's not by your own mental, intellectual prowess or any of that. You have a new identity in him because you're in him. His blood made the way for that to happen. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Not multiple types of spirits. Not different ways. One way. We have one way. We have one spirit. There's one Father. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, which means family. built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We spoke about that a few weeks ago. Everything goes back to him. He's the chief cornerstone. He is the reference point for everything. Everything is built upon him. If he's not there, it all crumbles and falls because it can't bear the weight and the load of what it's meant to carry. It must be on him. Everything that we build must be on Christ. It all must reference back to him. If it doesn't, it's not plumb level and square. It's going to fail. But we can because Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You are being joined together in him with all who have come before us and all who have come after us, all who are present right now, the body of Christ being joined together, fitted and arranged by the Holy Spirit. We are, of now, we are now of the same essence because His Spirit is in us. And only He has the capacity to align all that together. That's why we can't say as a foot that we don't need the hand or the eye or any the rest of it. We all need each other. We're all part of the same body. One part suffers, all parts suffer. Right? Unity is vastly important in this. Otherwise, we're amputating others or ourselves from the body. 
Think about that. We try to cut ourselves off or cut others off. We're, we're amputating a part of the body. And that's not what he's called us to. We're supposed to heal the body. We're supposed to minister to one another. The gifts that you've been given by the Spirit aren't for you to be aggrandized or, or to be glorified in any sort of way. They're all to glorify the Father and they're gifts for the body. Unity is absolutely necessary in the body. And it's a gift that he has given to us. We see here that he's the one who made the way. He's the one who poured out his blood. He's the one who destroyed hostility. He is our peace. He's destroyed all of the things that would, would tear us apart. So the gift of God is this. You come to Jesus, you have family, you are in the family of God, you have unity with one another. He offers it to us. It exists in no other place but in him. This isn't about agreement, this isn't about mental assent, this is that we actually have unity because of him. It's a heavenly reality, it's eternal, and we've been charged with preserving the unity. He didn't say, go create unity because I died for you. He says, I died for you. You now have unity. Protect that thing diligently, vigilantly. Don't allow anything to come against it. Paul talks to us about warning a divisive person twice, and then after that, get them out because they're, they're sowing discord between the brethren. They're splitting people apart. They're fracturing the body of Christ. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to exist in unity, preserve that, demonstrate love, patience, forbearance, kindness, humility, regarding others as above ourselves. Nothing haughty in there at all. It's all about us serving and loving and caring and attending to And we can only do that because we have access by the Spirit to the heart of God. But it's his gift. If you've read through Ephesians, you'll know that from Ephesians 2 to Ephesians 4, there's a big parenthetical statement. Like Paul's going through and he's talking about all this stuff and says, hold on a second, I need to back up here a little bit, talk to you about why I can talk to you as the Gentiles in this way, because God's given me this ministry, right? So we get this parenthetical statement, but inside this, he has a prayer for the Ephesians, and it's one that I think we should all lay hold of. So I'm going to read that real quick here, and this is Ephesians three, fourteen through 19. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
He's talking about their rootedness in love. He's talking about them being identified in Christ and that they would have access to, they would step in fully into what he has given them. If we want to step fully into what God has for us, then we cannot be divided as the people of God. We must enter into the unity that is already available to us and protect that space, protect that thing, guard against things that would come against that, ward them off. Ephesians chapter 4. I've been loving this passage over the past year. Because it just, it, literally, it brings us to our knees. It should bring us to our knees. Paul says this to them, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's a prayer that you could pray daily. Lord, help me live a life worthy of the calling to which I've received, the calling to which I've been called. There's a humbling in that call. There's a humbling in that prayer. There's a humbling as we go before him and just say, Lord, that I would be worthy of what you've done. You ever see Saving Private Ryan? Once, it's all you need. The part that absolutely ripped me apart and destroyed me as a teenager watching that movie was at the end when Tom Hanks' character, who's bleeding out, right, brings him close and says to him, Earn this. Earn this. And what is this? All these men had sacrificed their lives to save one man. It wasn't about taking territory. It wasn't about gaining ground. It wasn't even about holding the city or any of that. Their mission was to go retrieve this one guy who is happy to be serving along his brothers in arms there. And there he is as the old man. And he says to his family, Did I, have I lived a good life? Have I, have, I done, have I done right? We think about the sacrifice of Christ and that he's called us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. We've only received that calling because of the great price that he has paid for us. So what does he say then? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's the statement that comes before. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I was reflecting on that bond of peace, bond of peace, bond of peace. And just two chapters earlier, he says that Jesus himself is our peace. He is our bond. He's the one who has drawn all of us together. We're bound together in him. So we strive to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace We're honoring him and all that he has done for us. We're honoring him and everything that he is. And then Paul masterfully goes into this. There is one body and one spirit, 
Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The word for unity there is really one. It's oneness. It's not agreement. It's not we're walking together. It's not those things. It's, it's that we are one together. And for him to go in here and say, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, who's over all of us. He's driving home that, that point. One, one, one. We are one. You are one. You're created as one together. You have the opportunity and the availability because the gift of one exists Enter into it. Protect it. Guard it. Because that's how you're found in me. You're known in me by that. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is is the very one who ascended higher, and all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, call that the fivefold ministry, right? To equip his people for works of service. Some translations say for their works of service. If you think that pastors are supposed to do everything, or church administrators, or church leaders are supposed to do all that, no, we, we, we are. But it's not just us. The entire body, each one of you, our job is to equip you for your acts of service. We all participate in this. We're all part of the body. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. There it is again. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love just as each part does its work. The, the words love there is, is agape. It is that agape love. A couple weeks ago, I, I shared a message about the winds of doctrine being tossed back and forth by the winds and the waves. And this is, here it is referenced again here. And, and what is it that keeps us from that? Ultimately, is that all of us becoming mature and attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, being built up until we reach the unity and the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. There's this continual building up and growing and reaching forth to grow into that unity that he's given us. This is interesting here. Unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. As human beings, especially in the fall, post-fall, we love intellectualism. We love reason. We, We love knowledge. 
We love to be able to rack and stack and coordinate things and itemize them and make logical trees to understand how to get where we go. We love to build things. We love to design things. We love to create things. We love to use our minds. And so when we go through our our walk of faith, our default for many of us is to try to understand intellectually what the processes are. Intellectually, what the rules are. You know, the law was great because the law told you exactly what you needed to do. And how many of us in following the Lord have just said, Lord, just tell me exactly what I need to do. That's what happened when they went to the mountain and got the law. Do this. Don't do this. Or you die or you get severely beaten and punished. Well, now I know exactly what I should do. And I can't do it. Thank you, Lord, that we don't live under that any longer. But the law is very intellectual. It's very written out. It's very prescriptive. Right? And then you could argue about the law and who's following the law better than others and and all of that. But that's not what this is talking about here. When it talks about unity of the faith and the knowledge of of the Son of God. Yes, we need to know the precepts of of God. We need to know the tenets of our faith. We need to know those things. We should be unified on, on core biblical principles. But that's not the ultimate of what this statement is saying. Having unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God is experiential. The knowledge there, that word, comes from epigenosco. If you're familiar with Greek, which you know there, and many of us are not, but if you're familiar with Greek, you'll know that 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 knowledge is experiential knowledge. Epi means that it's specific experiential knowledge, which means that you have to go through life and you have to walk out your journey with the Lord experientially and in relationship with him. Faith, as we know, is not just intellectual. It's experiential. It's the taking the step off the edge Really believing that God said he's going to be there and he's going to catch you even though you can't see it yet. I can tell you until I'm blue in, your, in my face and you can tell me that you believe me until you're blue in the face that he's going to catch you. But until you actually step off, it's theory. We have to have unity in our faith in the Son of God. Unity in our knowledge of the Son of God. Knowing who He is, knowing how He moves, knowing His ways, being intimate with Him, having heard from Him, being comforted by Him, being strengthened by Him. God wants unity for us. He's given it to us as a gift by His Son, but we only enter into it if we choose to. We only lay hold of it if we choose to. The work we do for unity is choosing to step into unity. It's warding off division. It's laboring to host what he's already given us. It's not creating it. It's welcoming it. 
The enemy doesn't want us to be in unity. He knows if he can divide us, he can cripple us. If we continue to walk in discord, in chaos, in division, the presence of God does not show up for us in a manifest way. He abides and he rests where unity is hosted, where it is preserved, where people say, I care about his presence and who he is above all else. As much as I love you, brother and sister, if you're going to cause division or discord, you're not welcome in this place because he is the most welcome person here. We must preserve that place. Corporately and individually. Unity happens when we welcome what he's already given to us We're focused on Him. All of our affection is towards Him. We welcome His leading and His guidance, and we don't let anything else that's grown up next to that stay when He points it out. When God says, that thought that you have right there, I want that one too. You can't keep in that any longer. That thing has to be abolished. Because it's not allowing you to continue to walk in unity with me. You've let something else come in the way of our relationship. You're more committed to that idea, even if it's righteous. Even if it's a righteous ideal. You're more committed to that than you are to me and the gospel and sharing my love with others and being who I have called you to be. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. There's, a, there's practice in here for us individually, but there's practice for us corporately as well. Paul says this to the Corinthians, For we live in the world... For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Why? Because other ideas and ideals and ideologies and worldviews and all that stuff that we've either come into the kingdom with or have crept up as we've been going along through life try to choke out our focus and our commitment and our devotion to God and his kingdom. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you. We are to seek first the kingdom, the king of the kingdom, to stay focused on him. And guess what happens? The other stuff that creeps in that we don't know how to overcome in our own strength, we don't have to fight with in our own strength. He comes through and demonstrates his goodness and his power and his mercy and his love. And he overcomes it. We come to those Red Sea types of moments 
where we don't know how we're going to get to the other side, but we know we've been called to the other side. And he says, just stretch forth your rod, and I'll part the ocean, or the sea. I'll part the sea. And he does. He does what is not possible by human hands, by anything that could have been built or designed or anything like that. He just comes and divinely makes a way. Where there seems to be no way, he does that time and time again. You just look through the history of the Bible. Look through your own life and the ways that God has shown up for you in ways that were absolutely impossible. And it wasn't because of your own strength. It was because of your surrender. When we come together as people before the Lord, it's all about surrender. I don't care what any of you are bringing to the table for your own agenda and your own ideas for how things should be. We all have something to surrender before the Lord in coming into unity because it's not about our own agendas. It's not about what we can do. It's all about what he's going to do. We all have something to surrender in that situation. We all lose to ourselves, but we all gain him. Who loves Psalm 133? We should all raise our hand. It's in the Bible. Psalm 133. It's a small psalm, but it is packed so tight, and it is such a beautiful, beautiful psalm. And, And we'd be remiss to be visiting unity without coming through this psalm, because it's rich, it's deep, It has so much meaning. It's packed full of insight for us and promise. Promise. This is a psalm of David. It's a psalm of ascents. It says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And there it says brothers. It has, NIV translates it God's people. But there's a familial, there's a corporate, there's a a national, there's a, a people identity with this term here that is familial at its core. How good it is when they dwell together in unity. And he has these parenthetical similes that he squeezes in here to help you understand what he's, what he's saying. He says, it's like precious oil poured on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Pause there. I've got a beard. I think about what it would feel like for oil to be, like, dripping through my beard. There's a sensory aspect to that. This isn't just like, it's like oil being poured over, and it's goodness. There's a a sensation that comes when you have that oil being poured over, over you. Oil is, is oftentimes uh, depicted, depicting an anointing. There's a connectedness in oil that uh, all, the, all the small itty-bitty bits of oil are all glommed together there, that when it, when it flows over something, it's still all connected together. And when, when Aaron had that oil poured over him, that's a very specific oil, It was used only in very specific times, and it's incredibly fragrant. And you can imagine that as that oil is being poured out, it's just permeating the space, you know, just from the heat of his body, heating up that oil, all the aromas that would come forth from that. So there's 
there's the sensor where you're feeling that dripping through you. And then the, the permeation of the fragrance of that oil in that space. Dripping through his beard down into the collar. Now the collar that's being referenced here can be used both for the, the collar at the top of, of his robes, also can be used for the hem at the bottom. And if you think of it in the context of the rest of what's being shared in this, it's really it's talking about the hem of his robe. So imagine so much oil being poured down, running over his head, down through his beard, onto his, his robe. And, and remember, he's got the, the plate that has the, the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel in unity together. They have purpose together. The oil going, flowing through that, permeating all. Just think about this. How many have dripped olive oil on a, on a shirt before and it just ruined it, right? just gets in there and it spreads one drop and it just gets so big. I'm like, what on earth is that? So think about this. Purposefully pouring so much oil that is going all the way through his clothes, all the way to the hem of his garment. That unity starting at the head and moving all the way to the extension of everything that he has on him. And again, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Mount Hermon is in the northern parts of Israel up near Syria. Mount Hermon is a very tall mountain. It's covered in, in snow, and it creates clouds. Dew comes off of this mountain. It, uh, it feeds vegetation. It causes things to grow. And it actually does send clouds down towards the mountains of Zion, down there into, into Jerusalem, south. The, the Jordan flows coming from Hermon, south. So think about what's being said here. This is a, another characteristic, another quality of over the land from the head down to down south, moving downward, we see that dew permeating, bringing life with it, bringing blessing into a more dry and arid part of that place. Just like that oil coming from the head, flowing down all the way through the garments, right? So he's, he's making this picture for us to understand that unity has a flow to it. There's a motion to it. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is. What is it? God's people living together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, down, down, down. You hear it in there throughout that language. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there, in that place, whether we're talking about natural Zion, where God's covenants came forth, or we're talking about that place where God's people dwell together in unity, the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. As the people of God, hosting unity, choosing to enter into the the gift that he has given us, it's not just for us. We didn't create it. Those robes didn't create the oil that's poured on the head. Those robes received the oil that was poured on the head. Because unity comes, flows from the Godhead. 
It flows from the Godhead. God welcomes us into unity. He welcomes us into that community. He welcomes us into that blessing. And it flows down and it permeates us. And the fragrance of that actually permeates what is around us. It, you heard Pete say it last week. It draws people to Christ. When they see unity amongst the diversity, amongst everything else that would divide us, in standing apart from the rest of the environment, the rest of the atmosphere that would be divisive, we see God's people unified, not in agreement on different ideals, but unified in our identity in Him, completely sold out to Him, surrendering our own agendas to His agenda. People say, there's something about those people. There's something different. Could you tell me something about the hope for which you have? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who gave his life for you and for me. Amongst all of our brokenness, amongst everything that would cause us to be hostile towards one another and towards God, he came as the perfect perfect sacrifice for us, shedding his blood, thereby making a way for us to have access to the Father, that we could surrender our lives to him, that we could be ruled by a righteous king who knows us because he's lived as us. Not only has he created us, but he has, he has experienced every temptation that we have experienced. He's experienced the pains and the sufferings that we have experienced. He allowed his body to be broken for us. He took lashings on his back so that we would be healed. He gave up his life for us so that we could surrender ours to his. Let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about what's available to you. Every hostility that you've experienced against you, every hostility that you feel in yourself against other people, he's taken all that and he says, give it to me. Give it to me. I give you the gift of unity. I give you the gift of eternal life. I give you the gift of everlasting life in me. We've been given a message that's not just pie in the sky. It's not just theory. It is reality. And it is a superior reality to the one that we walk around in. It is a superior reality, a superior solution to anything that the world can offer us. We step into what he's given us. Tell me that's not worth preserving. Tell me that's not worth us hosting and being focused on. Saying, God, we won't move until you tell us to move. Because we need your presence. God, whatever ideas I have, whatever dreams, whatever hopes that have been generated in me, if you just told me that I'd never even experienced those in my life, if I surrender them to you, I'd have more in you, and I'm willing to do it. Everything that I've built with my hands, everything I can with the gifts that you've given me, if none of them is realized because I'm surrendered, I've surrendered them to you, then it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. Think about Abraham, who God gave the covenant to. God has made good on his word to Abraham, even though Abraham didn't see it with his natural eyes. 
He saw the seed of it, but he didn't see the full fruit of it. But he gave up everything. He surrendered all to follow the word of the one who he loved and who loved him. Will we do that? Will we do that? Will we give up everything that we would want to fight for and build with our own hands to choose instead what God has for us? To preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We are in a building time here in our Father's house. This is a, an important season for us. And it is important for us in this time to be laser focused on the Lord. His presence, our relationships with Him, our relationships with one another, His Word building upon his word, building upon our relationship with him, building an atmosphere that hosts his grace, that hosts his presence, that looks to him for answers, that waits on him, that trusts in him, that boldly steps forward in what he gives us to do. You can be sure that in this time, which is a vulnerable time for us. The enemy will try to inject everything he can to try to build it up with everything else that God wants to build. I don't know that we can keep the field totally clean. (laughs) But we need to be vigilant, personally and corporately, that what we build upon is him and his word. When we step into unity like he has for us, available for us, we step into the presence of the Lord and hosts and host his presence the way that he wants to pour it out here. It won't be just for those of us who are in this room. It will be for all those that we touch and all who come, because when, when the Lord pours out his blessing in that way, just look through history. People don't even know why, but they turn because they respond to what's going on in the Spirit. I don't know why I'm here, but something told me I was supposed to be here. You look back out at some of the revivals that have taken place over time, and people were literally coming out of the woods, being led by the Spirit to that place. Father, let us host your unity in such a way that people would be drawn by their spirit to you. Lord, not just in this location here, within this, these four walls, Lord, but that the people of God who are called by your name, Lord, would enter into a season where unity of the spirit, the bond of peace, as we are growing, Lord, in our faith, in our knowledge of the Son of God, 
would begin to break down walls and barriers around us, Lord. Draw people to you, Lord, that the gospel would be proclaimed, Lord Jesus. That people would turn from darkness and turn to your light, Lord. They would find freedom in you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We just ask right now, Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts, Lord. Lord, that anything that you would, you would point out and say, this too must go. Lord, that we would li- willingly lay it down at your feet, Lord. Lord, that we would repent and turn to you. And say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for uprooting that in my life. I love you. All I want is you. All I want is for your name to be glorified. All I want is for your glory to reign supreme. All I want is for the kingdom of heaven to invade earth and transform the lives of people. That they may be rescued out of darkness. They may step fully into the kingdom of light, your kingdom, God. Hallelujah. Lord, let let us be ambassadors of your kingdom. Let us fully inhabit what that means, Lord, to be ambassadors of your kingdom. Let us live in your love, Lord. Oh, Lord, come, come. This is a powerful time for us. There's going to be some shifting things that take place. In this time, there's some things that we're going to be returning to, but I think we're returning to them with fresh eyes and from a fresh place. For those of you who've been with us for a long time, it's been a long time since we've had an encounter service here at our Father's house. But it's high time that we have one. For those of you who are new to us, prior to COVID, every month, the first Sunday was what we called an encounter service. And for those of you who are really old and have been with us for a really long time, you'll remember that we didn't start by calling those encounter services. We called those Celebration Sundays. Anybody remember that? Celebration Sundays. What, that, what an encounter service is, is a time that we really come, before the, come, come together, and it's without a great deal of plans. It really is a time where we say, Lord, you can break in at any point in time. But this is a time that we also anticipate you leading us in a very fluid way. A lot of times it's a lot of worship. Sometimes it can be extended corporate prayer. We've seen healings take place in this situation. We've seen a lot of prophetic activity that takes place. It's really whatever God wants to do in that moment. We're going to start that up again. But we're not going to just end there. Something that we're instating as as a leadership team. We've come together. We've talked about this. We want to do family picnics after that. Out on the back lawn. I've loved this back lawn over this past year. So we're going to do family picnics on the back lawn. What does that mean? It's not a potluck. 
bring food for yourself or your family. Bring a little bit extra because somebody might forget. But be prepared to have a meal. Kids can play. Don't have them wear their nice clothes. They'll look like coal miners coming out of the Gaga court. (laughs) But let them play and let us come together and just be together as family. We need to have time together. We've had a lot of time apart from one another. We need to have time together. So we're going to have celebration Sundays, these encounter services, and then afterwards we're going to be going outside and we're going to have a good time together. It's just a time for fellowship. It's a time for us to be together. Because we get unity with our Father. We get unity with one another. That cross right there represents a connection that takes place. As we draw close to Him, we draw close to one another, we host that presence, we host that space where unity can take place. It's amazing. So we're looking forward to doing that. I can't wait for that. So please start planning for that. Start planning that first Sunday of the month. Come here. Just come with expectancy. Come with, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do this morning, but I'm just ready for you to teach me. I'm ready for you to to experience you in a whole new way. I'm ready, ready to press in and enter in in a whole new experience. And I'm ready to then afterwards go and eat with people that I love or people that I don't yet know how I love them or why I love them. But I want to grow together with them. We want to make opportunities for us to come together. We've been starved from one another over this time. Okay, three things I want to pray about today before we exit. Do we have any prophetic words this morning? No, okay. Three things I want to pray about this morning. First of all, you've probably been watching the news. If you haven't, oh, yes, we'll do that too. Communion. Don't let me forget communion. I'll I'll need a communion cup. We're going to do communion, but I also want to pray for three things. One, thank you, son. One is um, Cuba is in turmoil right now. And you know that we have many connections there. Um, That's a major place where our, our hearts reside um, with those that we love who have been living under such an impressive regime for over 60 years now. And, and it, is, it is crumbling. It is such a terrible situation there. It's hard to get communications in and out. They keep shutting down the Internet and whatnot for us to know what's going on. But, but we do know that there's those that we love that are in, in the midst of things that are happening across the country where there's violence, there's, uh, there's, there's torture that's being taken place, there's people are, are rising up against what's been, been going on there, there's a lack of food, there's a lack of medicine, the, the, the government is, is imploding there. Um, and it's not, it's not going pretty. We want to be praying for the collapse of that system, but for God to protect the people as well. That he would raise up a godly system there, and that he would carry his people specifically the church, as a shining light through the midst of that situation, okay? We have brothers and sisters that are there that are, are, are doing their very best. They are living in a place that many of us will never experience in our lives. When one part hurts and suffers, the whole part suffers. So as we pray for them today, whether you know them or not, remember, these are our actual brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, uh, another thing here, uh, many of you know Princess Barb. Some of you are on our intercessory prayer chain. You know that her, her uncle uh, suffered a, a stroke recently, has been bleeding uh, from his brain. 
Um, we've got word this morning that, that one hemisphere of his brain is actually dead at this point in time. The family has been asking for prayers uh, for him, for them, for the family. Uh, we want to be lifting them up in prayer right now as well. This is, this is an urgent type of thing. Okay. Another thing, third thing, is um, just got word this week that, uh, that Sam Solon... Uh, if you're, likewise, if you're on our intercessory prayer chain, you've been praying along these lines already. Sam Solon on vacation uh, was having some difficulty breathing. I went to the hospital, and it is understood that he has a heart condition that he will likely be getting bypass surgery for this week. Now, he is comfortable. He is at rest. But we want a wonderful, positive outcome here for him. Okay? Uh, so that's that's something that... Likewise, near and dear to our hearts, all three of these things this morning, I want us to bring forward in prayer. And we're going to do that in the context of communion today. Okay? We've been speaking this whole morning and last week as well about unity. And what I've brought before you, these three emphases in prayer for us today, are important to us not just because we're, we're part of humanity and we care about others, but it's extra important for us as those that are part of the body of Christ we wouldn't be the body of Christ had not Christ come, suffered, and died for us. Scriptures tell us that his body was broken for us, his blood was poured out for us. And when we come together in communion, we remember what he did in that act. Within the context of what we've been sharing today, I'm going to read Ephesians 2. Verse 13, once again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. As we're about to take these elements together, let's remember that we are part of one body. The unity that we've been speaking about today is only possible by the action that was taken by our Savior that this cup and this bread represents. Let us really think about that. Remember that he actually hung on a cross. This isn't fiction. This isn't just a story. He actually, in bodily form, physically, went to the cross for us. But he didn't just suffer like others do when they get on the cross. It's a painful, horrible, terrible death 
but he suffered more. Because he didn't only suffer physically. It tells us that he literally became sin for us. He bore the weight of all sin of all time for all of mankind. Jesus, thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice for us. We thank you that you made a way for us. We thank you that you give us the gift of unity. We thank you that we have the opportunity to come and know you, to be led by you, to be surrendered to you. We thank you that you are our King, you are our Lord, you are our Savior, you are our brother. We thank you that you loved us enough to take our place. We thank you for the power that is in your blood. We thank you that it is by your blood that we who were once far off are now drawn near. We thank you that we are part of one new humanity, the body of Christ. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Cuba right now. Lord, that you would bring down this oppressive regime that has had them under, their, under its thumb for decades, Lord. Lord, we pray that it would fall, that it would crumble, Lord. But Father, we ask that in that vacuum, that your spirit would be there, Lord, and raise up godly leaders, Lord, to rule righteously over this people who have been oppressed so terribly, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for your people who are in that country right now, Lord, who are crying out for your mercy, Lord, crying out for your, your freedom, Lord, crying out for your liberty, crying out for your power, for your protection, Lord, crying out for your provision to be manifested once again as you have for so many times, Lord, in their lives. Lord, I ask that in this new way, in this new place right now, Lord Jesus, they would see your glory manifested in a way that's, that's just unrecognizable, Lord. Father, we just ask for your goodness to be demonstrated once again. Lord, we pray, along with our brothers and sisters there, Lord, for your glory to be coming forth, to be manifested there in that land. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen the weak knees of our brothers and sisters there. Lord, that you would empower them, Lord, for boldness. Lord, that the gospel would be shared there, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask that it would be shared not only in word, but in action, in deed, in power, in might, Lord. Lord, that your word would show forth there. That you would be glorified, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray for Barb's uncle. Lord, we ask for healing for him right now. We ask for healing to come, Lord. Lord, for the bleeding to stop, Lord Jesus. For restoration of his body, for restoration of his mind, Lord. Lord, we ask for your, your wisdom for all who are caring for him, Lord. We ask for your, your peace over his family right now, Lord Jesus. Over his wife, over his, his nieces and nephews, over everyone who's drawn close to him right now, Lord. We ask for your 
your peace, your wisdom, your understanding, Lord Jesus, to come forth. Lord, I ask that they would come together in unity, Lord, not division in this time. Draw them together, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask that we would see your goodness in this situation. We pray your blessings over this entire household, Lord. Lord, I pray for Sam right now. I pray for Sam, Lord Jesus. You say, by your stripes we are healed. Father, we just thank you that you have led him to a place that is excellent in cardiac care. Not by his plan, but by yours, Lord. Lord, we thank you that what has been discovered was discovered, Lord. Lord, we ask right now that you would move him through this time and move Lucy through this time and their whole family and all those who love them and are around them and near them right now, Lord, through this time in peace and in rest, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask for your grace to, to abound. Lord, we ask for a perfect operation for him, Lord. Lord, we ask that his recovery would go perfectly. We pray against any infection or any, anything that would try to, uh, to come against his body along the way as he's, as he's waiting for the procedure, Lord, and after the procedure, that everything would go perfectly, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask for full restoration of health for him. Lord, that he would be strong on the other side of this, Lord. We thank you, Father. We bless him, Lord Jesus. We bless him. We bless his household, Lord. We bless Lucy, Lord Jesus. Give her peace in this time, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask for your grace to abound with them and for your presence to be manifest among them, Lord. We just thank you. Jesus, we thank you that all these things are possible through you. We thank you for what you did on the cross for us, Lord, making all this possible. In your name we pray, amen. Take, eat, and drink. In the name of Jesus. Ushers will come around and take your cups. Because we've been sharing today about this, there's things that are stirring in your heart that you need prayer. I'm going to invite some of our prayer ministers up to the front here to pray with you. We want to take an opportunity as the Lord brings things to our hearts where he says, I need to address that with you, that we bring those to him quickly. We say, yes, Lord. We surrender quickly what he identifies. So if if for whatever reason, as we've been praying this morning and, and talking, there's stuff that's come up and you say, Lord, I need to give that to you, that you take the time to do that. You can either do that up front here at the altar, or you can do that in your seat, or you can do it when you're driving home. But I encourage you to lay down at his, his throne, at the altar before him, anything that would be trying to take the place of your commitment and devotion to him. He is so good. He is so good. He'll exchange whatever that is. And it's always going to be to your benefit. What he has to give you is always going to be better than what you're presently holding. Father, I thank you for your people. I ask for your blessings today, Lord. I ask for your encouragement to us, Lord, as we move through this time. I ask, Lord, that you would give us a hunger for your word, 
a hunger for your presence, a hunger, Lord, and a desire to come before you, Lord Jesus. Lord, you are so holy, and you're a jealous God. You don't want to share the throne with anything else, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, right now we surrender to you anything that would come into our lives, Lord, that would be drawing us away from you, that would be an impediment, Lord, from our advancement forward into maturity with you, Lord, as you make us more like your Son. So, Father, I ask for your grace to be with us this week. I ask, Lord, that your presence would be among us. And, Lord, I ask that we would move into this time with hopeful expectancy, Lord, for what you're going to do through us as a people. We give you all the glory, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Greet one another. Pray together if you need to. I'm going to be meeting any visitors that we have out there in our hospitality room in the lobby. God bless you guys. Have a great week.